This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Now imagine this for a second, that we here in BC didn't have a functioning provincial government. I know, I know, spare me the jokes. I'm talking about for real, that there was not a functional government. Imagine that for whatever reason, MLAs couldn't come together to agree on a way to figure out who was in power, like what we happened had, you know, after the last election. If it didn't happen in such an orderly fashion, instead there was a deadlock where the legislature just didn't function. Well, that's actually what it's been like in Northern Ireland for more than two years now. They're kind of holding a world record for the longest period without a functioning government here. Now, the political spectrum there is different, of course. Instead of functioning along like conservative and liberal lines, uh, voters' allegiances are pretty much more commonly based on whether the party is nationalist, meaning it ultimately wants Northern Ireland to join the Republic of Ireland, or whether they are unionist, meaning they want Northern Ireland to remain as part of the United Kingdom. So to help keep the peace, the Legislative Assembly can only function when there's cooperation between those two communities, the nationalists and the unionists. It's called power sharing. But that assembly collapsed in January of 2017. So more than two years ago, it was because of a scandal that the unionists signed off on and involved kind of a mismanaged renewable energy scheme cost taxpayers something like $800 million. Well, the leading national nationalist party wanted the unionist first minister to resign. She refused. They brought down the government and on it goes and on it goes, right? It is complicated, but essentially what it has meant is that people there for the last, well, more than two years have not had a functioning government. It just, the two sides are just getting deeper and deep, more deeply entrenched in their opposition to each other. But then in the last week, something changed where the community was reminded of the dark days of conflict and violence in Northern Ireland. Last week, there was a riot in the city of Derry. You may have heard a 29-year-old journalist, Lyra McKee, was reporting on that riot when she was shot dead by a member of a group calling itself the new IRA. Political leaders from the unionist and nationalist communities then came together to condemn that murder, and they stood together in this part of the city called Craigan. And at Lyra McKee's funeral, the priest said this. Many of us will be praying that Lyra's death will not have been in vain and will contribute in some way to building peace here. I commend our political leaders for standing together in Craigan on Good Friday. I am, however, left with a question. Why in God's name does it take the death of a 29-year-old woman with her whole life in front of her Applause, a standing ovation even from mourners at a funeral. That is not something you see every day. And that moment has gone viral. I was seeing that everywhere this week. Uh, The political leaders were there at that funeral too. And then the video kind of shows them awkwardly joining the standing ovation pretty much after everybody else in the room had already stood up. So then that brings us to today. What has all of that brought? 
After two years without that government now, today, the two sides, the nationalists and the unionist leaders, have agreed to come together. They're going to start some fresh talks to try to get the assembly back up and running. So they're hoping they could have an agreement by mid-July. So this is very significant. This is not something you would have seen in past years when it comes to these age-old divisions between those two communities. We wanted to learn more about it, get more detail about it. So I spoke with Gavin Riley, who's the political correspondent for Virgin Media Television in Ireland. Well, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. It seems like so much has happened in Northern Ireland over the last week or so. It's been quite a week. We haven't seen something like this in a long time, have we? No, and it really, I suppose, uh, has been a way in which uh, the repeat of events, which in previous days would sadly have been quite routine, has really just reminded a lot of people in Northern Ireland just how far that the society there has come in the last 20 years and how much there is at stake if it was to slide backwards into the sort of conflict that it had previously seen. Um, obviously, the, the major events of the last week was the, the tragic death of the journalist Lyra McKee, who was shot dead while um, covering some riots uh, last Thursday night, Friday morning. Um, her funeral rule was, uh, I suppose, a real embodiment of the progress Northern Ireland has made. Um, Lyra was born into a Catholic family, but her funeral was held um, in a Protestant cathedral uh, with a multi-faith service with uh, people making addresses from all religions and none. Um, but possibly the most significant point was at one moment where the eulogy was being delivered, um, that the Catholic priest giving it said that it was an awful tragedy that a 29-year-old would die at the time that she did when she had so much to give. And he noticed that there were so many politicians from uh, from London, from Dublin, and from across all of Northern Ireland's pretty dysfunctional political system, that they were all now finally together in the same room, all mourning the same cause. And he said, why does it take the death of a 29-year-old to make that the case? And before he had even finished the sentence, the entire church uh, not only sprung to its uh, feet in applause, but then gave a standing yeah. ovation. And it was it was quite an iconic uh, TV scene to see the, the politicians who are supposed to be the leaders um, at the front of the room ultimately being led in that sort of sentiment, because clearly um, Lyra's death had been used as a statement by the Northern Irish community to say that they want to have, you know, rudimentary, ordinary, uh, run, run fundamental, run-of-the-mill everyday politics, and that's what uh, this latest uh, proposal is to try and restore. Oh yeah, it really was something. So what was what was a slippery slope, Gavin, that Northern Ireland had been on that led to this moment? Because it seemed like that violence had slowly been creeping back up. Yeah, um, ultimately there are uh, too many kind of factors to sort of go into in a kind of a brief summary and I suppose without trying to be too maudlin about it or to try and, and pin everything on Brexit certainly Brexit has been uh, a really big division uh, within the Northern Irish communities because you know the whole essence of the settlement and the Good Friday peace accord that was reached for Northern Ireland 20 years ago um, it was effectively trying to ensure that there was a kind of a joint management between uh, the part of the community that considers itself to be Britain and wants Northern Ireland to remain part of the United Kingdom, uh, and on the other side, the part of the community that wants Northern Ireland to rejoin the Republic of Ireland and have nothing to do with Britain at all. Um, the Good Friday Agreement put an end to 70 years of dispute as to who actually owned the territory and recognised that it was British, but was supposed to set up this mandatory government where you would have to have both communities recognised in governance. Um, that in itself uh, fell apart two years ago, uh, not because of any major kind of strategic direction, but just because of a squabble between the two major parties on each side. 
But since then, Brexit has become a real wedge between the two communities because it has really highlighted that difficult question of whether Northern Ireland should be considered, inverted commas, British, or whether it should be Irish, and even whether there then ought to be different rules and possibly hard borders um, on the island of Ireland with two different countries um, sharing that piece of land. Um, But it it really has then become uh, much more polarised in in recent times as well. That whole question of a border has really chipped in. Um, But in the meantime, because uh, Northern Ireland hasn't had its own devolved government, this power-sharing arrangement between unionists um, and nationalists, um, that ultimately Northern Ireland hasn't really been governed at all. And really what's happened is that in the vacuum of the last two years, which has been especially polarised by Brexit, we've had the, the empty husks of the old paramilitary groups, old groups that now have reformed and are calling themselves the IRA, who have begun to exploit that, that empty space in politics and have now tried to present themselves to younger generations as the only means by which their voice can be heard. Because right now, if you're a nationalist in Northern Ireland, there is no local devolved parliament where you can have your say. And if you're electing members to Westminster, the only ones that have been elected are all from Sinn Féin, and they don't take their seats in Westminster as a point of protest because they don't want Westminster to rule Northern Ireland, if that makes sense. So, so the, the, the short answer is that there's been a real political vacuum, and it has taken these paramilitary groups to, to show that they can move into that vacuum and perhaps guide people away from the path of peace and back towards the violence that we've seen so many times in the past. Right, but it seems like right away when this when this murder happened, a lot of people who were probably, you know, letting things go realized, no, no, we don't want to go back to the way it was. Yeah, I, and I think that that's the real uh, telling point about what's happened in the last seven days, that there were probably a lot of people from um, around the world, and indeed so many people in, in Ireland or in the UK as well, who sort of thought that Northern Ireland was fixed, because the main paramilitary groups like the, the IRA that we knew for three decades are all now off the stage. They have either disbanded or decommissioned. None of them are, are in any sort of activity anymore. So people would have assumed that simply because murders were not happening every day in Northern Ireland, that in fact the, the issue had been solved. But what the, the death of Lyra McKee proved last week is that it hasn't really been solved at all And that, although it is, of course, better than it used to be because these sorts of paramilitary murders are now so rare that they are international news when they happen rather than just being background noise yeah. in their own society. Uh, but, it, but it's a reminder that you can't just assume that the progress is there forever and that you pour concrete over it and that it's, it's completely set in stone, that these things do need to be actively worked on. And, and much as we've seen in other conflict areas in the past as well, the fact that you have a new political agreement doesn't necessarily mean that people's hearts and minds will change overnight. So although there is this, on the face of it, this settlement or this agreement between the the unionist community and the nationalist community, deep down there will be some who reject that idea of compromise, who are are still prepared to to turn to violence to achieve their own political ends. And that's why it's important to show that the political solution, which was there up till now, is one that can still work in this day and age. You mentioned uh, Brexit there uh, over the last two years. Do you think that really resulted in everybody kind of taking their eye off the ball here, thinking about Brexit, not thinking about, hey, we've had these other problems that actually being in the European Union helped them solve? Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, a lot of people in Northern Ireland were very frustrated when the Brexit debate was happening in the UK as well, because nobody had really given much of a thought to what would happen on the island of Ireland if you'd had 20 years of peace and then suddenly, because of what was effectively an economic decision, that you would ultimately have a hard border drawn between uh, two neighbouring countries on the same island and whether anyone would really want that. The big impact that Brexit has really had, though, is the fact that because it not only has it occupied so much time in Dublin and in Westminster, 
But the two major parties, uh, the biggest party on either side uh, within Northern Ireland, they are both so fundamentally at odds on Brexit. The DUP, uh, as listeners might know, are the people who are propping up Theresa May's government and they are arch-Brexiteers. They want to have the United Kingdom, including Northern Ireland, completely out of the European Union. On the other side, you have Sinn Féin, who don't want the UK to leave the European Union because anything that drives a wedge between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland is a, a completely unacceptable pivot to them. So it has already been such a major uh, squabble between those two parties that ultimately nothing else has had a chance to get focused on. And there was, up till now, a perception that really you weren't going to have much of a, an opportunity to get those two parties back into the same room, running Northern Ireland alongside each other, at least until the Brexit dispute was out of the way. But what's really happened in the last week or so is that the, the death of Lira McKee has proven that the rest of Northern Irish society isn't really prepared to wait, and that instead of just parking this issue until Brexit has been put to bed in some way, that they would still like Northern Ireland to have its, its everyday politics that any developed Western society ought to expect for itself. Interesting. All right, Gavin, thank you so much for your time. Not at all, Cindy. Thank you. That's Gavin Riley, political correspondent for Virgin Media Television in Ireland, explaining the uh, amazing kind of gulf that they have managed to bridge this week uh, because of the death of that 29-year-old journalist, Lyra McKee.